This morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And if you do want to donate some cash for passing out food next week, please let us know. Uh, like I said, Kim's friend, she already purchased a lot of stuff, but it's for 50 people. We want to give money for 100 people, right? We want to do nice things for 100 people. Luke 2, starting in verse 8, and it says this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, and the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that's going to bring you joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, singing, praising God, and saying... Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. Verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying, praising God for all that they heard and seen, and just as the angels had told them. And so this morning, as we start to paint this picture and look at it, Jesus, or the angels, decided to give the birth announcement to shepherds. The Savior, the Messiah, has been born. And the interesting thing about being the shepherds and these men who were picked to hear this message, shepherds, these guys who watch sheep, and there was, there was shepherds who they had the opportunity to watch the sheep that was used to sacrifice for the temple, so that was an important job. But there was a lot of men who were shepherds who just watched sheep for their own, right, for their own living or for their boss. But shepherds in this day, they were portrayed as men who were dishonest at times, troublemakers, Lowly, rough, unclean, dangerous. Shepherds portrayed to be dishonest, troublemakers, lowly, rough, unclean, dangerous. And honestly, it's from the beginning of the time and from the beginning of the Bible, there's a lot of shepherds that God called. But why did God pick shepherds? Why did he pick these men? Why did he pick these men to hear this birth announcement? Why was it these guys? Why was it? If so many portrayed, if so many shepherds were portrayed as being unclean troublemakers, dishonest, lowly, rough, and unclean, dangerous, why were these men picked to hear the birth announcement? As soon as the angel starts speaking, he says to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And this is a common theme through the Bible. Do not be afraid. 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 I'm going to say it 300 times. Just kidding. Do not be afraid. From the beginning of time into the day that we live in the present, constantly God is saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So take out your piece of paper that you were given when you walked in this morning. 
and you're given a, a piece of paper that says past, present, and future. And one of the things that I want you to do some point today, some point tomorrow, is when you look at this piece of paper, when you go home and, and you know, whether it's in an hour, whether it's in two hours, and in, in 10 hours, ask yourself, I know that God doesn't want me to be afraid. But if I were to be honest this morning, if we were to be honest this morning, truly, most of us live with some type of fear. And what are the things that we were afraid of in our past? What were the things that scared us when we were little? And write it down. What was it that I was scared of when I was little? What is it that scares me now that I am older? And what is it that scares me about the future? See, one of the things we do as people, because we're so wonderful and complex and beautiful and just amazing inside and out, there's so many internal struggles that we never deal with. Why? Because we don't want to face them. We don't want to face internal struggles that we have inside of our heart, mind, and soul. And fears is one of the biggest things that we are afraid to face, having fears that have been inside for a long, long time. And there needs to be a beginning point, a starting point where I say, I'm not going to just continue to mold these things and thoughts in my head. I need to write it down. And it starts with writing it down. What did I used to be afraid of? What am I afraid of now? And what am I afraid of in the future? And then simply say a prayer to God and say, God, help me the things that I used to be afraid of. God, help them to get out of my brain. The things that I'm afraid of now, God, help me to turn that fear into faith. God, and whatever it is that I'm afraid of in the future, God, help me. God, help me. And if you do that every single day, you know what's going to happen? It actually takes 63 days. But that fear that we have can be replaced with faith. It's not 21 days to change a habit. It's 63. It takes 63 full days to change internal processing of fears, anxiety, depression, loneliness. 63 days of learning how to deal with things. Jesus, the angels, the heavenly hosts, as they're having this meeting, the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. And just like when your boss calls you out of the blue and you're like, it's not Friday. Why did he call me? Why does he want to see me? Instantly, as people, we've learned to like, <gasps> oh, get a little fear, right? Fear is a part of life, but it's how we learn to manage and deal with it and grow from it. And so God, remember, 365 times, what did he say? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The first, second words out of their, the angel's mouth is, the Savior, the Messiah is born. The Savior, the Messiah is born. And you know what's interesting about this? Everyone has their own idea, right? My title today is called Free Country. And why is it a free country? Because don't we supposedly live in a free country? We can say, we can do whatever we want. If we want to put ketchup on a donut this morning, you are free. It is a free country. If you want to do whatever you want to do, that's what we live in America. It's a free country. Ah. Everyone had their own idea of who the Savior Messiah, what he would look like, 
what he would sound like, what he would wear, where he would be born. And so there are people, when they hear the Savior, the Messiah is born, you know what they started thinking? Some people will start thinking, yes, I have been waiting for a political hero. I need a political hero. So there was a number, hundreds of people. They were so excited. If they heard the Savior Messiah has been born, you know, they started thinking for that group of people, my political hero is here. Yes. And I wonder how many people today would say the same thing. I need a political hero. Politics are so disgusting. Things are just so messy in our government. We need a political hero. Just like they did 2,000 years ago. Things don't change. You know, the second thought that, that people had when they're thinking about the Savior Messiah, there was a group of people, and you know what they wanted the Savior for? Because they wanted to be freed from sickness. They wanted to be freed from sickness. And so when you heard Savior Messiah is born, yes, he's coming, and he's going to free me from my sickness. And lastly, so there was three things that there was different groups of people that they hoped for, that they were longing for when the Savior Messiah would come. And the last one, this is the best one. He's going to free us from work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. No more work. Think about this, that, that in their head in 2,000 years ago, when people would think about the Messiah, the Savior, three things, three different groups of people, they wanted a political Savior, they wanted a sickness healer, or they wanted someone to deliver them from being and having to work hard. But I wonder this morning how many of us and how many people in our world, what kind of Jesus are you, am I, are we, and our world? What kind of Jesus are we looking for? There are people today, let's be honest, there are people in bad marriages and they're looking for a savior, deliver me from this man, hallelujah. There are people, like in workplaces, same thing. I wish I had a savior who would save me from this job, who would help me get a better job because I hate my boss and I hate this. There's so many people looking, wanting a savior for our own different reasons. But you know what happens? As we start processing and wanting a savior for our own reason, sometimes our own reasons get in the way of his reason. Our own reason. I need to God. I need God to save me from my bills. I need God to save me from this. I need God to save me from sickness. I need God to save me from here. I need God to save me from them. Sometimes our situation becomes so big in our heads that we stop seeing the real reason for Him, for God, for who He is. They said, do not be afraid. And then they said, the Savior is born. And then they started to praise God. And, and all of a sudden, there was one angel delivering this message. And it was joined, then joined by the armies of heaven. And they're all praising God. I'll never forget, we used to, they used to have this thing called the Harvest Crusade, and they still kind of have it, but not to the degree that they used to have Harvest Crusade. And so Harvest Crusade is this event that happens once a year at the Angel Stadium, and it's free to get in, and you hear, you know, music, and you hear a message, 
And this one time, my XXX boss was there. And my XXX boss, uh, years ago, he had twins. One of the twins that he had was severely handicapped. And while they were gone to see, uh, they were going at a concert, they had their kids and their babysitter, which is just a little bit older than some of the other kids, babysitting, neglected and ignored and didn't see that the handicapped kid, this young girl, five years old, in a wheelchair, got out of her wheelchair, downstairs and into the pool and drowned. And so for my XXX boss, you know, tragic, horrible, horrific moment that struck him and his family years ago. They, it, for a while, it made him turn to God, and it kind of opened their eyes, and they kind of gave their life to God. And so one year, Harvest Crusade is happening, and they went with some different friends, and we were there with some kids. And there is 45,000 people. 45,000 people, and, and some of the best musicians would come to these events every year, Harvest Crusade, but there was one in particular named David Crowder, and um, you could Google him, he's got some awesome music. When this gentleman played, the stadium was shaking, and it, it was so powerful, the moment, and I remember the next day, my ex-ex boss, I called him and I said, how did you like it? And he said, and remember this guy, so my ex-ex boss, for years, wasn't, wasn't in the church, wasn't in the God. The first thing out of his mouth said, man, the music was good, but wow, when David Crowder played, he said, the presence of God, wow, for the first time, he felt he saw 45,000 people who were singing along in this powerful moment. Kind of reminds me of this moment here. As an angel is delivering the birth announcement to Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah has been born. Next thing you know, joined, it says, by the armies of heaven. And so there are thousands of angels singing and all giving glory to God, saying glory to God in the highest. God is above all things. Why? Because he gave his son, the Messiah. And it says he gave his son to be the Messiah, to bring peace on earth. You know what's crazy about this word peace here? Peace, defined in the Bible and defined in this, is complete well-being, deep. Turn to your and say deep. Deep, deep, deep. Like swimming in the deep end. Deep peace into every heart, mind, and soul in the body. What did Jesus came to bring? Peace, a wholeness that only, that only he can bring. That only God, that only Jesus can bring. John 14, 27 says, I'm leaving you with a gift. This is Jesus. A peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you, it's a gift that the world cannot give. Don't be troubled or afraid. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so the angels are worshiping, and they're having this moment. And the next thing they say, Glory to God in the highest. God is above. Look what he did. Look what he did. 
He gave his only son so that people can find peace. We look around our world today, could we think of a few places that seem like they could use some peace? Could we look at some families around the world today and we could say, yep, those families could use a little peace. Could we look at some friends and say, man, their life's so troubled all the time. They probably could use a little peace too. Peace, it's not just a word that simply comes out of our mouth, but understanding the peace that Jesus gives, complete, whole, healthy, in the whole entire body. And it says, this peace is given to whom God is pleased. And what I love about this story of the shepherds, the angel says, you will find this little baby boy wrapped snugly, so cute, in little strips of cloth. You will find this baby boy in a manger, in an animal trough. And it's interesting, I, I said in the beginning, why did God pick the shepherds? The shepherds, these men think they lived in the outside. Their life, 24-7, you walked, you guarded, you protected sheep from thieves and robbers. So these men were always on call. They're always ready to go. They're always ready to step up. And when they heard the angels say, the Savior, the Messiah, to be born, you'll find him in a manger. These men could truly appreciate the fact that this is the Savior, that this is God. He's not in the hospital. He's not in the palace. The shepherd men, in their minds, they could process and they could appreciate, wow, God born in an animal trough? For them, these were the men that would be able to appreciate that. Because let's be honest, how many of us, sometimes people give us good gifts and we don't appreciate them? Let's be honest. God gives us good friends and good people in our lives, and sometimes we don't appreciate them. Sometimes God gives us good jobs. Sometimes we don't appreciate our jobs. God gives us life every single day, but how many of us take life for granted? God gives us moments and breaths to breathe every single day, and we take it for granted. We have been given life. And how many of us still don't appreciate what we've been given every single day? These men understood and could appreciate, wow, God, the Savior, the Messiah, born outside. This is our territory. This is where we live. Common folk, regular everyday people, God, the Savior. And so instantly they said to themselves, let's go check this out. Let's go see. Let's go see for ourselves. This is amazing. And so as soon as they tell Mary, the mommy of baby Jesus, she says that she treasures all those things, all these words and into her heart. And so this morning we're going to pause and we're going to think about Mary for a second. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not all about Mary, but let's talk about Mary for a second. <laughs> it's not all about Mary, but let's just talk about it for a second. Interestingly enough, you have your Bibles, John chapter 2. I love this. John chapter 2, starting verse 1. 
The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus' disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told them, they have no more wine. Crisis! Oh my gosh! Verse 4, dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. And then let's skip to Mark chapter 3, verse 21. It says, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. They said, and their family is speaking of Jesus. He's out of his mind, they said. When the family, Mary, his brothers, half-brothers heard what was happening, they tried to take Jesus away. He's out of his mind, they said, in verse 31. Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, and they stood outside, and they sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And so what I find interesting is we kind of turn to, to Mommy Mary for men and brothers. Mom knew that Jesus was special. Remember, they had wise men after he was born, like a year old, bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That men travel thousands of miles to come see this boy. And so she knew that she had something special and unique with Jesus. She had shepherds who came and told her that they had this revelation from heaven, angels, hallelujah. They had all these things. So she knew that her boy was special. So that she treasured those things in her heart. Jesus grew up. They're at a party. They're at a wedding. She knew that her boy was special. And there was a massive party foul. There was no more wine to drink. Back in the day, there wasn't, you didn't have 30 million soda flavors and waters like we have today. You had milk, water, and wine. That was it. Three choices, real simple, like in and out. Anyway, she turns to Jesus and says, they have no, water, no more wine. This is the beginning of the ministry. And Jesus even tells her, come on, Mom, it's not my turn yet. It's not my time. But to get into your head, mom thinks it's okay to come to Jesus knowing that he's special, knowing that he can do something special, knowing that he can make something happen when it comes to wine. And then we read another verse. See, Jesus started, he turns water into wine, he started healing people. People from all over started flocking to see Jesus because lepers, people with diseases, people who couldn't walk, people who couldn't talk, people who couldn't hear, people who couldn't see, started coming to Jesus. And they started getting healed, every one of them. It says he healed everybody. And then you know what started to happen? People who were demonically possessed, right? You know those kind of people, right? You, we see them, we drive by them, we say, God, get me away. Anyway, these people started coming, and they started getting delivered. Jesus would just get close, and demons would start talking, don't touch me, don't hurt me. Jesus would rebuke them, and the demons would have to flee. And it was at this moment, mom, brothers, and people are like, he's out of his mind. It wasn't a big deal when he was turning water into wine. Thank you, Jesus. Keep it flowing. It wasn't a big deal when he was sealing people. But when Jesus started rebuking and delivering people from demons, people were thinking, now he's weird. Now he's crazy. Even his own mom and half-brothers. See, because sometimes, again, remember, we all look to Jesus or for a Savior the kind that we want. 
the kind that maybe fits my comfort level. But if Jesus starts doing something a little outside the box, a little crazy, ooh, now he's getting a little too much for me. Now he's asking for too much. Our last verses this morning, our last story, if you got your Bibles, we're going to go to Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. They do that. Yes, they do. Dogs like open sores. Lick it right up. Verse 22. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. He went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, Remember during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted. Lazarus had nothing. And now he's here being comforted, and you were in anguish. Besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Verse 30, the rich man replied, no, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins, and they'll turn to God. And Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. We look at the story, and there's different words that are being brought out of the story. There was a rich man and a poor man. There was a very wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man and a man who had absolute said nothing, zero to his name. So the rich man was healthy and happy. But the poor man, he was broken, sick, and suffered every single day. Rich man, poor man. Healthy man, suffered man, broken man. Eventually, they both died. One of them got to go to paradise. Remember, there's, there's two words, many different descriptions in this story that are being described, and they're opposite from each other. Wealthy, poor, happy, sad. Sick, broken, right? Death, even in death, two opposites. One went to heaven, the other went to hell. But the story that Jesus says, it gives the opportunity for the rich man to see that this poor man was in heaven, that he was ah, in paradise. And so he says to him, can you please send Lazarus to get a little water just to give me, to cool my tongue. Interestingly enough, the rich man is still barking orders in hell. He barked orders when he was on the earth. He did whatever he wanted to do to people. But when he gets to hell, he still wants to do the same thing, keep bossing people around. And Abraham said, I'm sorry, now there's a fine line between death 
and life, hell and heaven, truth, lies, poor, rich, healthy, sick. All these different words that are being described here, and then he says, there's something that separates us. You know, years ago, our country decided that, you know, we are in a free country, supposedly. But they wanted to separate church and state. Do you know at one point, our government used to pay missionaries. Our government would give money to missionaries to go travel the world and to help people. At some point, our government, who's was wonderful, awesome, and amazing, decided that there needed to be a separation from church and politics, that it's illegal for pastors, shouldn't be talking about politics on Sunday morning. But you know what it did? It started Christians down the road of, well, if, okay, God should be separate from my politics. Maybe God should be separate from my work life too. Ah, maybe God should be separate from my daily life, my 24-7 daily life. When I go to church on Sunday, punch the ticket, I'm good with God. The rest of the week, six days a week, I just do what I want. There should be separation. This parable that Jesus tells, it's such a powerful story and a description. He says the rich man lived and he took whatever he wanted. Poor man who had nothing ended up in heaven. And the sad thing is, the sad thing is, one day when we do close our eyes and that's it, there's going to be a lot of surprised people. Jesus makes that clear. There's going to be a lot of surprised people where they end up when they die. There's going to be people who end up in paradise, and there's people going to end up in a place that you don't want to be, begging, wishing, pleading that when you die, you didn't go to this place. And it's going to be horrible and tragic. Many who think they live this life doing good, doing good doesn't get you anywhere. Many who think, there's many who believe that they're going to heaven and they're not. Jesus makes that clear in the Bible. Why? Perception and our expectations, our perceptions of what Jesus is. For some people, they want Jesus because they do want to get healed, and that's it. There are people who want Jesus just to deliver them from the IRS. There's people who want Jesus just free me from this moment. There's people who want Jesus. They want a God. There are so many thousands of gods that people cry out to on a daily basis. There are people today who they cry out to and they pray and they do all kinds of weird things because they believe their God will deliver them and heal them or whatever it may be. But honestly, when it comes to this, when it comes to my title, Free Country, have you ever said to yourself, this is who I am? Like it, love it, or you can just get out. Have you ever wanted to be respected? This is how I talk, this is how I walk, this is how I dress. Respect me, or you don't have to be around me. Now let's take a step back for a second. At the beginning of our text, when the shepherds heard the Savior was coming, remember three groups of people. They wanted a political hero, 
They wanted a hero, a savior to save them from their sickness. And then they wanted someone who would free them from work. In their minds, they already had preconceived expectations of what a savior would do. And thousands of people missed him completely. Just like today, thousands of people are missing Jesus completely. Why? Because we don't, we know, honestly, let's be honest this morning, we know who Jesus is, but we're afraid to give him what we know he's asking for. Honestly, our world knows. Our world knows who Jesus is. Our world knows there's only one God. We know. But we're afraid to give what we know he's asking. Because sometimes the price is just too much. And I wonder this morning as we start to wrap up in our free country, you want to be respected for who you are, but do you respect him for who he is? In this free country, we were all given the chance. We were all given the opportunity to become the adults that we wanted to be, make decisions we wanted to make. Respect me, love me, or get away from me. But do we give the same respect to Jesus Christ for who he is? Do we give that same respect? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the things that Jesus said, all the things that he did. The Savior, the Messiah, came to rescue us from two simple things. It says sin and death. So from beginning to end this morning, Psalms 91, to those who live and trust in God, it says that he will be our shelter, that he will save us, heal us, deliver us, keep us free. Our story this morning, shepherds, uncommon, unclean, normal everyday men called up by heaven, the host of heaven, to hear the birth announcement that Jesus, the Messiah, is born. Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, who came to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth. Jesus, who raised the dead. Jesus, who heals the sick and opens the blind. Jesus, who brings freedom and peace. Not peace that the 60s movement spoke about. Because this peace it's an entirety from head down to toe, for every heart, mind, and soul, the deep peace of God. This is Jesus. This is why he came. This is why God gave him. But what good is a gift if it's never given away? God's given a gift to us this morning. Until the whole world hears, we all have our own world around us. And maybe we don't want to sing? Then let's just tell them about him then let's just use our mouth and our words to tell them what this season's about.